0: Welcome to the Encounter Community Church Podcast, where we take God's Word and look at how we can utilize, practically apply it, and implement it into our lives. Welcome back to the Encounter Community Church Podcast. My name is Ken Ballett, Jr. I am the pastor here at Encounter Community Church. And I just want to say, I hope that you had a great Halloween celebration with your family with your kids or by yourself you know whatever it is that you did this is the first year i have to tell you my you know my kids are all teenagers now and typically every halloween we were always together as a family but this year was the first year that my kids had invitations to go out and do other things and so i remember turning to my wife and saying honey we don't have any kids here for halloween (laughs) what are we gonna do and i remember just missing my kids so much that day but then my wife reminded me like hey you know our kids are at a point where they'd rather hang out with their friends for halloween than mom and dad (laughs) which uh i get i don't like it (laughs) but i get it but it, it did get me thinking about something though And and I want to take this time out to apologize to every teenager who has come to our door to whom I've given attitude. Because, you know, it's so easy at some point to think, well, come on, dude. You're a little bit too old to be out trick-or-treating. You you should be doing something else. But then this year was my kids (laughs) out with their friends trick-or-treating. And then it, 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 it hit me. I am so glad that that's what my kids are doing. There's still a little bit of innocence connected to that. I, I'm glad that they're out trick-or-treating because the other options, they could be out partying or doing all kinds of other things that we won't talk about that teenagers can't possibly get into and do. So my attitude has since changed. and I just want to encourage you as well. If you are someone who has teenagers come to your door, realize there's a lot of other choices they could be doing, a lot of things that are unhealthy, a lot of things they could be doing to wreck the lives of others, wreck their own lives, things that are destructive, mischief. So hey, if they're coming to knock at your door, give them the best bar of candy you got. <laughs> you know, hook them up with a big Snickers bar, you know, or something like that. But I, I get that now, and so like I said to all teenagers, although. You probably won't hear this, and this is more of my own confession, but I apologize. And now I see things a little bit differently, and I I think that that's the way it is, too. And, And here's the point, too. You know, us adults, we have to remember, and we can't let ourselves forget, we were teenagers at one time as well. And also, think about what are some of the other things that we did as teenagers on Halloween, yeah (laughs) and and so maybe we should just be thankful for that teenager who does come to our door to say trick or treat and like I said just give them a really great candy bar And, and for parents like myself who are blessed by your candy bars I just want to take this time out to say thank you thank you blessing me with your candy bar although you wrecked my diet (laughs) notice i say you wrecked my diet because you wrestled me down you held my wrist down and you forced me to open my mouth and chew that reese's peanut butter cup yes it is absolutely your fault that i blew my diet on multiple occasions (laughs) absolutely your fault Give out worse candy. No, no, no. Actually, don't, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. I'm going a little bit too far there, aren't I? <laughs> but again, this is that time. And, and again, I guess just coming to the realization that my kids are getting older. And we're getting closer to that point to where they're gonna be out of the house. And I'm getting depressed now, so I think I'm gonna move on to a different subject. <laughs> But I, I um, and, and I just want to encourage you. For those of you that have teenagers and have kids, love them with all that you have, because they do grow up so quickly. And it is true, they grow up, but we go, we grow better, right? We don't grow old; they grow up, we grow better. <laughs> but I guess that's just the things that old people say, right? But I am so grateful. I am so grateful for my family, for my kids, and I just want to encourage you to take that moment to think about that as well for you. What are you grateful for? And are you grateful for your family, are you grateful for your kids? And you know, one of the things I guess it's, it's I'm at the point where I'm realizing that my, my prayers are changing. You know what my prayer used to be? God, keep my kids safe while they're at school. But of course, that's expanded now, hasn't it? God, keep my kids safe while they're driving themselves to and from school. Keep my kids safe while they're at work. Keep my kids safe while they're at robotics team doing their thing. Keep my kids safe while they're hanging out with their friends, while they're driving over to their friends. It's amazing how all of that changes as as they get older. And, and you do, you, you find yourself at this place where you are relying more and more on God and you're trusting God more and more. Which brings us to what it is that we've been talking about for this series that we're doing. We're talking about rock solid faith in a, in a shaky world. And, and in diving into faith, the main thing that we said last week in looking at this is we said that faith is more than hope and optimism. It's more than that. It has to be. Because there are times when you go through things that no matter how hopeful you are or no matter how optimistic you are, it's impossible sometimes to see yourself on the other side of it. It's impossible. I listen, I've been listening to a podcast called Against All Odds, and right now I'm listening to the story of Senator John McCain when he was taken as a POW in Vietnam and just listening to some of the things that he had to go through in order to be able to make it through. But there are points for him where it got, it got really dark. There, there's one point where he talked about him even trying to take his own life. And if it wasn't for the guards coming in to see what he was doing and to stop him from what he was doing, he would have done it. He would have been successful at taking his own life. But it's interesting because he talks about how that kind of refueled him in a sense. It, it, it gave him that gumption. And that's, for those of you that are not from the South, that are unfamiliar with the word gumption, <laughs> let, me, let me throw out what that means to you. Bravado. There we go. Bravado. But to see that he reached a point where he had that and that there was this determination that nothing was going to stop him. And, and, and that's the thing, that's the thing about faith is, is there are times when you are practicing your faith where it gets dark and it gets hard and it gets, I don't know, it, it just feels like it's impossible. And I want to let you know that that you can be a person of faith and wrestle with doubt. But you can be. So, so I think it's important for us to continue to dig in to this idea of faith and, and what it is. And, and last week we talked about this, this one, another key element of faith is more, is, is moving from a belief in Jesus to actually following Jesus, to, to living the kind of life that Jesus talked about living, to make a commitment and to do that. You, you may hear a plane going over my head. I'm recording in one of my favorite places. I'm in my backyard this morning, and so it's nice. I, been hearing birds chirping and the wind chiming and the wind chime chiming and airplanes going over So if you hear those things just recognize I'm, I'm in my backyard and if you don't hear those things then keep enjoying the podcast but with that in mind and just thinking about this flow of thought that I that I had when it comes to faith and this call that Jesus gives. To actually follow him. And again, if you go back and if you begin to dig through the scriptures and every time when Jesus says, oh, you a little faith, it is never connected with hope and it is never connected with optimism. It is always connected with trust. It's always connected with trust. So that's the key element of faith. Trust is what helps your faith to stay rooted and solid even when you have doubts, even when you have questions, even when you go through those dark moments that seem impossible. There's that trust. There's a part and 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 this kind of faith again it does it allows you to be honest to say God I don't know where you are right now. And this is hard. But also, God, I know you're good. And I trust that you're going to take care of me. Just because I don't see it doesn't mean that you're not. But I'm telling you, it's hard. That's faith. That's faith. And so with that, one of the things that you will notice is in in this series, what, what we're talking about is those people that you meet that have that kind of faith, that no matter what it is that they face, no matter what it is that they deal with, no matter what it is that the challenges that may come, there is this trust in God that carries them through, even in the midst of their doubts. And the amazing thing is, and this has happened to me multiple times, where I go to encourage that person because of what it is that they're going through and because of the trust in God that they have and the faith in God that they have, even in the midst of asking questions. Because of that, I still walk away encouraged. I still walk away uplifted. I still walk away. Renewed. It's, it's just amazing when you do that. And so what we're looking at is when people begin to tell their faith story about how they were able to persevere through something and, and you begin to dig into their background, you'll begin to see some commonalities that they have. And, and one of those things that you'll notice is people of strong faith tend to be people who are in some way actively serving God on some capacity. So, so, so why is that? Why is actively serving God so conducive to building faith? Well, here's what I want to do. Is I just kind of want to walk through. The life of a guy named Nehemiah. And what you will notice is in his story, and, and not, we won't go through this whole story, we'll just go through the beginning of his story and how it launches. But even in the midst of that, you can see that in this experience, because he decides to step into ministry, it opens a door for him to realize and see God work. In incredible ways and I'll tell you some stories for me about the way that I actually you know what I'm gonna start with my own story we'll jump into Nehemiah and then maybe I'll tell your story after that but this one may be familiar to some of you if, if you've known me for a while but in 2001 I had an opportunity to go to Kenya on a mission trip and, and so while we're there one of the things that they would do they trained us to do is just to walk through the village that we're serving. And in that village, uh, we would just walk through and we would just talk to people about Jesus. And it really was an incredible experience for me. We were walking through this area and we're walking and, and we see these huts. And on top of the huts, there are these white flags and as we're walking there, I, I turn to my guide and I say, hey, what are those white flags for? And he says, oh, that's for the local witch doctor. We're going to take you to go meet her. And I was like, wait, what? Wait, what? W- w- yes, w- we are going to take you to go meet the local witch doctor and talk to her about Jesus. And in my mind, I'm going through and I'm thinking, like, wait a minute. That seems like a tall order to talk to someone who's really entrenched in their beliefs about nature and about creation because many times the witch doctors there, that's what they turn to in order to be able to heal people. And so there was their trust in natural remedies and those things, and in those natural remedies, there were certain gods that they would worship or lean on in order for their work to be done. that's according to my guide. <laughs> so I'm, I'm thinking man this seems like a tall order to talk to this woman about Jesus And so we walk into her area and she comes out and she's just happy to see us and that was one thing that was really cool about Kenya is as we were walking through people were really they were they were really happy to just stop whatever it is they were doing and just chit chat with us. So it was really cool. It's just part of their culture. So she comes out and we sit down and we start talking. And, and let me tell you, I look at this woman and her teeth are filed into sharp points. Like each tooth is filed into a sharp razor point. <laughs> so it, it would be like, if you looked in the mouth of a shark, that like the way that the teeth are formed, That was the way that her teeth were filed. And so I I look at that and it's one of those things, have you ever been in a situation where there's something that stands out about someone, but you don't want to be rude and stare. So you try not to look at what it is that you want to stare at and you keep looking at it, but trying not to look. So you try not to look and you try to look in other. Let me tell you, I was concentrating so hard in my head. I was thinking, Ken, just look at her eyes. Just look at her eyes. Just take your eyes off her teeth. Yep, you're looking at her teeth again. Just look, it was one of those things. So we sit down and, and we start talking. So I, I go through and I tell her my story about my life and about Jesus and who he is and who he is to me. And she asked me a really interesting question. She said, Can your Jesus heal a toothache? And I said, what? She said, can your Jesus heal a toothache? She said, my teeth have been hurting for weeks. And understandably so, right? If you, you file your teeth, you're going to cause some damage. But she said, my teeth have been hurting for weeks and I've tried all of my remedies and none of them work. So does your Jesus heal a tooth and so I said well according to the bible he's done some pretty incredible things he's helped people to walk and the blind to see and the, the deaf to hear so is it within his capacity to heal your tooth or teeth yeah I think so And she said, well, if your Jesus can heal my toothache, I'll consider your Jesus. So I said, well, let me pray for you. And in my head, I'm thinking, God, you need to show up big here. I have no idea how this is going to work out. And so I just started praying for her. So I put my hand on her shoulder. Well, I asked her if it was okay first. (laughs) I wanted to make sure I got permission. And she said, yes. I put my hand on her shoulder and I started praying for her while the translator translated my, while my guy translated my prayer. And in it, I just committed her to him and prayed for her teeth and prayed for her healing. And in my heart, I'm thinking, God, please just show up big. God, please just show up big. God, please just show up big. And, uh, you know, there's that, that part of you that wonders, like, is this really going to work out? Am I, I going to make a fool out of myself by praying for this woman's teeth? So all of these emotions are going through me right then and there at that point. And I look up and come to find out Jesus had healed her toothache. So she decided to give this Jesus a try. And I was blown away. God showed up big. So just think about that. If this is the way that God shows up, big in this way, when I go through something in life, does it become easier? Or more difficult for me to trust God? And if you said easier, amen. It, it, it really does. It really does. There's something about because many times when we are called to serve, many times we don't feel qualified. We don't, I'm not, I'm not gifted enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not funny enough, I'm not friendly enough. I mean, we could go through the reasons why. We feel like we don't have the capacity to be able to do what it is that we feel like we're being asked to do. But that's when God shows up. And that's when God does the unexpected. And that, my friends, is what builds our faith. That's what builds our faith. I remember the very first time I met with a group of people we were it was at El Camino College and we had this program that we used to help people to be able to grow in their faith and so the leader had taken me through this process and so now it was my turn to begin to take others through that process and I'll tell you my I was like, there is no way that I can do this. I am not qualified in the least bit. And so I led the session and there was a person that was there with me to help co-lead the session since it was my first time. And once we were done, he said to me, he said, Ken, the raw ability is there. But you need to invest into it. So here's what I want to challenge you to do next week is I want to challenge you to go through and prepare your material as though you're teaching it. And look for other questions and insights and things that you can pull out of it, things that you could use to create really great conversations. And and so I, I did that. And I'll tell you, like that next week was exponentially better. It it really was. And eventually I grew to a point where I was able to lead sessions on my own. And it was, and I'll tell you that I really grew from that because each time I met with a student at El Camino to walk them through what it meant to believe in Jesus and who he was and the grounding of your faith, each time that I walked through a student with that, it solidified my faith. It it gave me a little bit more of a belief because each week I was praying, God, I'm doing this, but you know, I'm not a Bible scholar. You know, I don't have all the answers. You know, I feel like I am totally unqualified to be able to do this, but you've put me in this position. And so I'm going to just trust that you will speak through me to these people in the conversations that we will have. And it's really incredible because that's exactly what he did. That's exactly what he did. And and I would say that one of the greatest pieces of confidence that I gained was the ability to be able to say, that's a great question. I don't know the answer to that. But give me a week. I'll research it. I'll find what I can find. And next week, I'll see what I can do as far as giving you an answer to your question." So it gave me the confidence to be able to say, I don't, I just, I don't know. I don't know. And to be able to say, I don't know, really is confident. And how do you gain that kind of confidence is, again, by being in, a, being in a position where you really do have to trust and rely on God. So, so going back to Nehemiah, Nehemiah was a guy that worked for Artaxerxes. Uh, his, his job was actually the cup bearer. So what he would do, now think about this. What he would do is when a drink was brought to the king, he would sample it. And if he died, then it was poisoned. That was his job. Like, Just think about that. That's your job. I'm going to drink everything that you could potentially drink. Risking my life. Every sip was a risk. Every sip was a risk. But he he tells this story. He says, Hanani, one of my brothers, this is Nehemiah chapter one in the Bible. Hanani, one of my brothers came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. And I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. So just kind of give you a background of what's happened is at this point, Israel had been sacked. Uh, Jerusalem had been sacked. And the people were starting, and some of the Jews were now starting to return back to Jerusalem. But it was in a condition that was horrendous. And it says, they said to me, things are not going well. For those who return to the province of Judah, they are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned. Fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. So, so literally, what happens is Nehemiah is awakened to a need. He sees suffering. He's awakened to a need. And how do we begin to get to that place where we are able to trust God? Is that we allow ourselves to be awakened to a need. Now. Many of us will have different types of needs that may awaken us. And that's why, you know, I'll say things like, do you have a need or do you see a need to help those who are homeless? Do you see a need to help teenagers? Or do you see a need to help elementary age kids? Or do you see a need to help pregnant teen moms? Or do you see a need to help moms or help dads, help parents? Do you see a need to help those who are addicted? Like every single one of us has been wired to something that will awaken us to see a need and that need will prick our hearts. And hopefully with that, it will cause us to be in a state of unrest. And that's what Nehemiah was. He was in a state of unrest about it. So he said, then I said, Oh, Lord God of heaven, the the great and awesome God who keeps the covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people Israel. I confess that we sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by by them, then even if I have exiled you to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I've chosen for my name to be honored. The people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. O oh Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today, making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. And it says, in those days, I was the king's cupbearer. So basically what you see is there's there's something formulating in the heart of Nehemiah that he's had his heart captured and he's began to pray about this and he's seeking God about it. And and so now the the thing is, well, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And so it says in chapter 2, Early the following morning in the month of Nisan, during the 20th year King Artaxerxes reign, I was serving the king his wine. I had never before appeared sad in his presence. Because actually, it was a criminal offense to appear sad in the king's presence. Well, why is that? Because you're in the king's presence. <laughs> That's why. I mean, you are in the creme de la creme the position of all positions. You get an opportunity to serve the king. So you should be joyful in your position. There's nothing greater on this earth that you could do than serving the king. And if you are not joyful in the presence of the king, if you are not happy doing what you're doing, fine. You will die. (laughs) That's what it was. That's what it was like back then. If you didn't appreciate the king, then you were a threat. If you didn't appreciate the position, then fine. I'll kill you and I'll find someone who does appreciate it. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. It says, then I was terrified. I was terrified. So now this goes back to that prayer that he, we had just read, that Nehemiah prayed. So, so this is the thing. He was going to go before the king, and he was going to ask the king to be able to go back. Now think about this. You're in position of the king's cupbearer. So he has this tremendous amount of trust in you, this tremendous amount of reliance upon you. It's an incredible position. There's no other position more important than that. And, and so now you, you're risking that. And in doing so, A, you appear sad before the king. B, you're saying, hey, I want to go do something else. Both are reasons to be killed, to be punished and killed. So this is what Nehemiah is risking. So literally, here's what he's saying. Is God, if I'm going to be able to do this, you're going to have to show up big. You're going to have to show up big. But I replied, long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins and the gates have been destroyed by fire. The king asked, well, how can I help you? With a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, if it please the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, Send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. Uh Uh-oh. He's asked the question. He's taking the risk. The king with the queen beside him asked, How long will you be gone? When When will you return? After I told the king how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. Boom. You talk about God showing up big. That's huge. That's huge. So now do you think when he would go through a trial that Nehemiah would be able to trust God that much more? Then he also says, I also asked the king, um, you know, I'll be top on, on, on top of that, uh sir. If if it please the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors to the province west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through the territories on my way to Judah. And please give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's force, instructing him to give me timber. I will need it to make the beams for the gates of the temple fortress, for the city walls, and for a house for myself. And the king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was on me. Now think about this. Here's what he's also doing. Because realize that Israel is considered an enemy of this nation where Nehemiah is now serving under the king. So basically what he's saying is, let me go back to my home. And let me rebuild something that could be a potential threat to what it is that you've been able to build here. So now we're talking about a potential spy, treason, also possibly punishable by death, by death. And God, again, shows up big. So that's the thing that I want to encourage you with. If you really want to grow in your faith, you must be willing to put yourself in positions where you trust him. And one of the best ways to do that is to start to get involved in helping others in ways that, God, I need you to show up in order for me to be able to do what it is that you've called me to do. So what's your ministry? Maybe your ministry is not necessarily at the church. Maybe your ministry is your neighborhood. Have you reached out to your neighborhood to connect and begin to build relationships? Maybe your ministry is at your job. Have you reached out to people at your job to connect and begin to build relationships? Maybe that's where your ministry is. But I don't know. I I don't know what God is placing on your heart to do. But what I want to encourage you to do is to start taking a step of faith and doing it. And maybe we'll get into a place where Jesus might say, oh, ye, a little faith to us. Why did you doubt me? Why didn't you trust me? And we learn from that. And then we do it and we grow. And I promise you, if you begin to serve God in ministry, where you are in a place where you have to depend and trust and rely on him for yourself, for that of others, what you'll find is that trust will spill over into when you go through hard times. Well, again, thank you so much for the opportunity of being a part of your journey. I hope that you've been encouraged by this. And I really do hope that you'll step out and begin to make a difference with your life because you were designed for that. None of us were designed to expand our gifts or talents and ability, abilities only on ourselves. You were designed to make an impact at minimum in the life of one other person. But I think it's greater than that. So begin to step into what God is calling you to do. Maybe step into your church and say, hey, What's one way that I can get involved? What's one way that I can help out? And then step up and start doing it. And just watch what God will do and how that will build your faith. Thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to be a part of your journey. And it really is my prayer that God will continue to build your faith. Well, Encounter is about three things. Love up. Let's fall madly and passionately in love with God. Love out. Let's commit to loving others. And love in. When we love God and when we love others, it is amazing how that will help us in being able to love ourselves. We'll take care. God bless you. And we'll talk to you once again next week. Thank you so much for joining us for the Encounter Community Church podcast. If you could do us a favor, whatever service it is that you're listening to this podcast on, please rate and review us. If there's anything that we can do better, please let us know. But by rating and review, it'll also make our podcast easier for others to be able to find. If you would like to support us at Encounter Financially, with what it is that we're doing to make a difference in our community, whether it's the mobile food bank, whether it's serving at North High School, or making a difference, again, in our community, feel free to head over to our website, encountercommunity.church. Click the link that says online giving. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. That way when we post new live streams or new vlogs, you'll be updated. As well as please head over to Facebook and like our page. That way, when we post new podcasts, again, new vlogs, new live streams, or have church events, you'll be updated and know what's going on here at Encounter. As we said before, thank you so much. We're so glad to have you with us. And we look forward to you being a part of the podcast next week.